talk to us just a little bit about um, if, in fact, we believe what God has challenged us uh, in the last week, the last weeks about if we, and we do, I believe that believers are in the room. I think that's why we keep coming because we know that God keeps working. And uh, I, I believe that. But if, if we know that God has a great revival on the forefront, if we know that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. If, if we grab hold of some of the vision that God released in the room and how God was empowering the church. And I, I, if I would s- just kind of sum up the entire weekend in the lesson tonight, I would, I would title the lesson tonight, My Role in a Growing Church. My Role in a Growing Church. And, and I'm not just going to be all static and stuffy tonight, as long as you're not going to be static and stuffy. <laughs> um, ha <ha-ha>. ha. <laughs> But I would like to talk maybe a little bit practical. I, I tell you, I've got a few scriptures, a point, four points to, to walk through with us. But I'd like the Holy Ghost to help us tonight. I, I would like a little fire to settle in someone's spirit. And, and I would like, um, I would like that, that the mirror would all of a sudden begin to declare that that person you see in the morning is somebody that God has a purpose to use in this end time revival. My role in a growing church, t- tap your neighbor and tell him you have a role in our growing church. The Pauline epistles are all letters, but <clears throat> they didn't all have the same audience. I, I know that some of you know that, maybe some don't. Some were written to individuals, and others were written to churches. And such is the case with the book of Ephesians. It was written to the saints of Ephesus. Paul in chapter 4, verse 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Now he's, he's writing from a prison cell, but he understands that it's not uh, Rome that has him captive. He is a prisoner of the Lord. He says, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And that Paul challenges uh, that church in this chapter to realize who they are. And, and I just want to start that way. Realize who we are. That we have been called. And, and sometimes things aren't the way that we would like them to be like uh, Paul in a prison cell. But yet Paul was challenging that church to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called because the enemy would always like us to walk unworthily. The enemy would always like us to walk in a way that we aren't who we are called to be. The enemy would always like us to walk in a downtrodden way. The enemy would love to, for all of us to walk in a defeated way. But I, I just came to remind us tonight that we have the opportunity to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. We have all been called to be saints, and, and I know that even in the podcast that we have with Brother and Sister Shalom this past weekend, we, we talked about the calling that God had placed on their life, and, and they said it was very specific for them personally, and, and I believe that we, uh, you know, many of us have specific callings that God has placed in our lives, and we can take you back to moments where the call of God rested on us, and we realized that God was calling us into something more than just a a simple walk with God, that God was calling us into another place, into another level. I can take you to the place, I can take you to the time, I can take you to the date where I feel like God placed his call on my life, But, but beyond that, everybody, someone say everybody, is called to be a saint. We are called to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. And that is the greatest calling that we could ever get. There is no voice that is greater than that voice that invites us to come out from fishing uh, nets, fishing fish, into fishing men. 
There's no greater voice than that. And everybody is called to be a fisher of men. And if we were to go on in chapter 4, it says with all that Paul was saying with this call that is placed on their lives, he said with all lowliness and meekness walk that way with long-suffering and forbearing one another in love. So not just about you, it's about all of us working together. And then he says it begins to help them realize that this is more than just an individual and an isolated call for single people. This is about uh, becoming part of a conglomerate. This is about becoming part of a congregation. He, he begins to emphasize that there's no Lone Ranger Christians. We don't do this by ourselves. And by God's grace, nobody feels alone in this room. I hope that everybody feels like they are connected to somebody at least. That's the start. And then I hope that everybody feels like they're connected to everyone. That's the goal. I, 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 would, <clears throat> I would hope that we have that. And he, he begins to strengthen the bonds and reach out beyond individuals. He said, forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Because we all know that as many people as we have, we've got that many opinions. Right? We've got that many uh, ideas. We've got that many people that are that are grounded to their idea and they don't want to let go. And so you get a few people with a few ideas and all of a sudden you've got chaos and you've got the sales going up and you've got the sales going down and you've got the sales flapping all the way around. And, and he's saying, hold on, just, just get together and work together in the bond of peace. Someone say peace. Because there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. So we are all part of this oneness that God is creating, that we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We could preach that for a little while, but we won't get sidetracked tonight. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And he says, but unto every, every one, <clears throat> well, if I could just get this turned around. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And skipping down to verse 11, he said, and he gave some apostles and some prophets. And then before you throw your hand in the air and say, well, Pastor Jack, see, that's where it kind of separates. Because then there's these isolated individuals. There's, there's this division. Well, no, because if you read on, let's, let's see what he's talking about. He gave some apostles and some prophets and evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And then he explains the, that these roles and these ministries have a responsibility to accomplish something. So we have all these, uh, he describes all the different ministries, and he says, here's what they're going to do. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he says, those roles and those ministries are to help people find their place in the body of Christ until that body becomes everything that God intends for it to be. And that we have a hand over here and a hand over here. And we've got a leg over here and a leg over here and a foot over here and a foot over here and an eye over here and an eye back there. And, and we all work together until... And what happens when we begin to find our place in the body of Christ, the body of Christ grows to become what God intends for it to be. So we can't do this without you. You have a role in a growing church for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. So if you were to read down, it would continue in verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. See what happens when you get plugged in? You don't get carried about. When you get connected, you don't become divided. When you become connected to the body of Christ, you find that you have a role. And, and I don't have to go into all the emphasis that we don't, that, we, you know, you're not going to go around poking yourself in the eye. I did hear about a guy that, that did that, and someone said, why do you keep poking yourself in the eye? He said, because it feels so good when I stop. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Well, that's not the body of Christ. If you know your place and your role and, and you find that that is where God has, has fit you in, then, then when we begin to function together as the church, God can do powerful things through this united body of believers. And he goes on, verse 15, but as those ministries continue, speaking the truth in love, our church may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Make it, someone say increase. Increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So that word increase has been rested in my spirit. You, you know I preached a few weeks ago about increase and how God has placed that idea and that's, that in my spirit. That, that God is doing something. God is challenging us to extend the borders and and God is challenging us to pull the tent pegs up and and go out a few stakes and a few steps or a few acres and 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 begin to build with intention on increase that God is going to bring babies into this believing church that God is going to bring new birth into our church that our altars are going to be a place where new birth occurs I believe that God has that kind of revival right in front of us and so when we begin to prepare I, I tell you when you begin to prepare for that I, I just came from a house that was preparing for the nursery to be full it's a different dynamic than our house where the house the house is emptying out bit by bit yeah, you know, I, I, I'm talking about that, the, the idea. I, I've seen more gizmos and gadgets to do with raising babies now than, than I ever knew existed when we had our children. There are swings that I wanted to get in. I was like, man, I need, it does, you know, you got five buttons and it will go up and down as it goes back and forth. Almost put you to sleep right there, didn't I? I said, with a little mobile and some music that plays. And, and I, I tell you, I, there, was, there was all kinds of gadgetry going on. There was car seats that you didn't have to wrestle with. They just pop in. Unbelievable. So, I was like, that's it? I said, that's it. So that's done. I was like, you, you guys have no idea what it's like to wrestle with the baby trying to crawl over top of the car seat. You have no idea how good you've got it. I, but, but. The planning and the preparation for Kristen and Matt to have a baby uh, directs all the attention away from maybe things that would distract or, or things that you could get fussy about not agreeing on. It. it All of a sudden, the attention is directed to this new growth and new birth, and things begin to change. The ideas begin to transform, and, and I can tell you from living in that environment that it's a great place to be in. And when God begins to show us that this room's going to be filled with believers, then something transitions in our hearts and in our minds and in our mentalities. Because God is going to increase the body. 
God is going to grow the body. If you didn't hear it through the prophetic utterance, just hear it in the simple teaching of the pastor tonight that God is going to grow our church and we have got to prepare for it. We've got to, we've got to get the nursery ready. We've got to get ourselves ready for what God is going to do. So I'd like to just take a few more moments and talk about that. I, you know, I've been on this journey with CCC for a little over 20 years, more than two decades, and and uh, I've worked with Pastor Wilbur longer than that, but let's just, uh, let's just zero in on, on the last couple decades. And I, I've been privileged to be part of the leadership team that's watched our church grow together. And, and uh, we have a long-term serving pastoral team um, that I love like family. And, and, um, and that it's just been a real privilege to get to know them and to work with them and all of you. It's been an honor and it's been a delight. But <clears throat> we can't get comfortable with this knowledge of the people that we now have in this little nest called the church. We've got to be prepared for God to open us up to receive more of what he has in store. The ways that God was challenging us is that we have got to uh, look at some of the ministry models that we have and prepare for the next season and and, you know, some people would say, well, CCC is a large church. That's debatable. Um, you know, depend on which side of the scale you're looking at. I don't know. Uh, but I, I would say that a church uh, like ours would have advantages. It includes uh, bigger and better and, and, and broader. Well, I won't say better because that would say that size indicates. I would say maybe bigger and, and broader facilities and activities, right? Um, ministry is the same across the board. All of those things are a blessing, and it's a benefit of being able to combine our efforts and our resources together. And while it's true that more people can provide more resources that maybe can hire some more help, the true purpose of the church is not to hire help it needs. The true purpose of the church is that we all work together to accomplish God's great purpose of the church. And I'm privileged to be a, uh, a person that, that has a paycheck that comes from all of you, and I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for it. But the work that the church has got to accomplish doesn't happen in the office between Tuesday and Friday or Tuesday and Sunday. The work that God is accomplishing and wants to accomplish through the church is 24-7 by all of the believers. That is where God begins to see the church become full in purpose and power and authority. And... and um, that is, if we went back to that original verses, those verses that we read, that those individuals with callings and responsibilities that God has placed on their life is for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. And how that we all begin to work together and we begin to perfect one another so that we can become what God is calling us to be. So a growing church is going to experience some growing pains. How are we going to cope with that? And this is just... Um, something that flowed uh, for this lesson today and or tonight and, and how that I felt that God was just kind of giving us some direction in anticipation for what is coming down the pipe. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 to 16. How, how will we cope? I, I'll tell you how we cope. We, we can only cope if everybody is involved. Right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, I, I like to relay a story. Um, and I almost titled, I'll tell you the title and almost what I was going to title in a minute. 
Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He says, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened up to me of the Lord. So God opened this door. He said, I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. But Paul was saying there was this occurrence that happened. He gets to Troas and he's looking for God opens the door. So he's doing what he does. Paul's preaching the gospel. And we already know that Paul knows that there's power in the gospel. Romans 1, 9, uh, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So Paul is doing what he does. He's preaching the gospel, but, but he's missing somebody. Titus is missing, and he doesn't know where he is. Paul knows that the gospel has the power. And God, he even said that God opened the door there in Troas. So it's this terrific opportunity. There's an open door, and there's a powerful gospel that's being preached by a powerful apostle. But something is missing. There's an individual. Someone's not in the place where they said that they would be. And, and Paul's speaking about this powerful place, and it's not comfortable territory. It's an unknown place, and it's unknown people, and it's unknown cultures. And, and e even in spite of this open door that God has given to him and the powerful gospel that God has privileged him to preach, Paul says, you know what? I was so disturbed in my spirit that, that I had to get up, and I had to get out of Troas. I couldn't accomplish what God had called me to do there because Titus wasn't in his place. And, and if you ever wondered if you mattered, that is an indicator that you do. That everybody has their role to play in this end time revival that God is bringing to us. Paul said, I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus my brother. I had no rest in my spirit. I, I, I couldn't do what God had called me to do because the right, the right people weren't in the right place. I don't know what happened. I don't have the background to the story. I did some digging. I did some searching online. Paul, but here's what I do know is that Paul is unable to accomplish the work that needs to be done in Troas because he didn't have the help that he needed. I almost titled the lesson tonight, Has Anybody Seen Titus? Has anyone seen Titus? Has anyone seen Titus? Does anybody know where Titus is? And, and you say, well, Paul, you should have just carried on. The Holy Ghost would have helped you. I, I don't know. All I know is that God uses people to help preachers. Can I just say that from this side of the pulpit? Sure, thank you. I'll say it again. Paul uses people to help preachers accomplish the purpose. We need you. We all need each other. But Paul, Paul was saying, I couldn't do the work that needed to be done in Troas because Titus was missing. Has anyone seen Titus? I, I don't know how long Paul looked. I don't know where Titus was. I don't know how he got the lines crossed. I don't know why he didn't have a cell phone on. I have no idea of any of those things. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why he had his phone on silent. Don't know. Don't, can't figure that out. Don't know why he wasn't answering email. But here's what I do know. He wasn't where he could have been or should have been. And Paul couldn't do what he needed to do. And, and we know that the gospel is preached, and Paul said, you know, God still accomplished the purpose, and God still did the work. But here's what I do question. I wonder what could have happened in Troas. And I don't want that to be a question of CCC or Fredericton or New Brunswick or Canada. He said, I, I, I wonder what could have happened if the right people had been in the right place. Tap your neighbor and say, God needs you. God needs you. None of us can do this alone. 
And uh, I, I did want to acknowledge and celebrate and congratulate you for signing up for the ministry thair- fair. And, and uh, we went through some of those uh, those sign-up sheets on Tuesday and staff meeting, and, and thank you for loving your church. Thank you for uh, thank you for working with us, and thank you for showing up. Thank you for being here tonight. Yeah, go ahead, click, give yourselves a hand. But how? If I could just take us back, because this is what just kind of arrested me: is that God opened a door, and Paul, the powerful apostle was preaching, but he still couldn't do what he needed to do because Titus was absent. God needs you. God needs you. And, and uh, Pastor Woodward preached a few weeks ago about the power of gathering, and he, he uh, emphasized it one more time on Facebook CCC members today and reminded us all about, about our responsibility to gather together because there's something powerful about us being together. There's something powerful about the call of God that's resting on our church right now. That we are, that, that it's this, this, this pressure, this wonderful pressure to push the gospel out into the, the world that needs what we've got. And if people are distracted by the enemy's intention, then we miss out on what God would desire to do. I don't want to be Titus. I don't want to be MIA. I don't want to be a, a reason that God doesn't get done what he needs to get done because I'm not in my place. I want God to use everybody in the room. Everybody. So there are four areas that, and I, I just wanted to zero in on, there are four areas that people tend to go MIA. They tend to go missing in action. And, and I, I wanted to identify those because the enemy will use seasons and times like this for people to get distracted and maybe moved aside and get out of the way when God needs all of us in our place. Amen? So number one, I've got four points. If you'll go through these with me, I believe that God will finish what he wants to speak tonight. God, God knows that, and we know that, people go missing, number one, people go missing in the midst of change. People go missing in the midst of change. It's, it's said that there's two of the hardest things to do. Number one is give up something old. Um, don't drive by my driveway and take a, take a look at the 2009 Dodge Grand Caravan with a flat tire sitting there, still trying to give up something old. Number two is to take on something new. Give up something old and taking on something new are two of the hardest things for people to do. And in the midst of that environment of, of transformation and change and what God is doing, it's easy for people to say, you know what, it's just not worth it. I, 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 there's so much change happening. There's so much adjusting going on. And they just went back to weekly prayer. Well, what's wrong with first Friday prayer? I, I'm not showing up. Can I just, can I just invite you, you know, that, that's something that we feel, feel compelled to do in the Holy Ghost. And as, as God begins to lead us and order our steps in, in this end time activity, then, then we're just encouraging people, come along for the ride. So in the midst of change, don't go missing. Don't go, don't go MIA in the, midst, in the midst of change. Don't be Titus in the midst of change. And, and our church has experienced some change in the last few years. We're in the midst of pastoral change and, and transition. And of all the transitions that I've ever heard of and, and, and the only one that I've known to walk through personally. <laughs> this is a good one. We have a great trans, <laughs> transition, and, and I have people have asked me, how's it going? How's that, how's that going in this pastoral change? What's it like to, to be the big man on campus? <laughs> That's usually my, my cue to laugh, no. Um, 
you know, what's it like? What's, how's our thing? And I'd say, I said, you know, we, we're on a parabolic. It's, it's not a drop-off. It's not a cliff. We're all, we all work together the way. It's not, it's not a, a lot different than it's been. There's been some responsibilities that have been adjusted. But if we're not careful in the midst of that change, people can say, well, there's just a whole lot of change going on. I don't like the change. And they just go MIA in the change. And I personally don't know of anybody that said that or, or has done that or is doing that. So I'm not here to grind an axe tonight. I, I, that's not my purpose tonight. I, but I am saying that it's easy for the enemy to step in the midst of change and say, oh, not needed there. You're not necessary. That's not your place. And, and I would say that God's saying, Titus, step up because Paul is in the midst of doing something powerful and God needs you. God, God needs you in your place. So in the midst of, of things that change and as we make some adjustments and, and we're doing this in the fear of God and we're, we're doing this in, in, in with a lot of conversations and a lot of counseling and whatever we change, some people say, well, it just feels a bit chaotic right now. And I said, amen. It does. But in the midst of change, don't get lost. Don't go MIA in the midst of change. Tap your neighbor and say, don't go MIA in the midst of change. Number two, people go missing in the midst of growth. People go missing. You say, that's not a very good time to go missing, but it happens. Growing bigger isn't bad. If you want to raise suspicion about, about ministry or ministries, start talking about growth. People start filling in the blanks with all kinds of personal explanations as to why there's growth. Oh, they've let down on XYZ or they, they've sacrificed this on the altar of blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I'm just saying that sometimes what, there are seasons when God gives increase. And when God gives increase, we faithfully acknowledge that there was planting and watering. There was effort on the part of our elders and people that have gone before us. But when we walk into that season of increase, that isn't a time for you to go missing. It's easy to be comfortable in the, in the confined, controllable environment of small. It gets a little unwavering. Un, it gets a little unsettling when we get in the environment where everything begins to change. And we've got, we've got some new people coming. And not everybody knows everybody by name. And we've got to introduce ourselves. And we've got to enlarge the territory. And we've got to broaden our spectrums. And we've got to open our eyes to what God is doing. That, that, can, get, that can get difficult for some people that have, that have been here for a while. And sometimes that, in the midst of that growth, people can go missing. Don't go missing in the midst of growth. We need everybody. We don't believe that God, you know, you know Jesus said it the best. He said he left the 99 to go after the one. Why? Because the one mattered. The one may have said, well, in the midst of 99, what do I really matter? In the midst of 100, where do I fit in? Well, I'm just lost in the middle of all of the stuff that's happening. But Jesus said, I'm going to leave the 99 to go find the one. Why? Because everyone matters. Every one matters, and it means that we take time to counsel, and it means that we take time to call, and it means that we take time to, to fire a text message when we see somebody that's been missing for a week or two, and, and it, it, it means that we take time to, to help people walk through difficult seasons in their life, and we, we got to push back from the table of all of our accomplishments so that we can connect with individuals because that person matters. Everybody matters, so don't you know, you, you may be a person that says, well, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm just throwing in the towel. I'm, I'm turning, don't, don't do that. We need you. And if you know of somebody that's doing that, reach out and become a connection point for them so they'll know that we need them. We're not going to allow them to go MIA. People can go missing in the midst of growth. Number three, people go missing if they aren't involved. And 
I, I've already mentioned the ministry fair, and everybody likes to feel needed, and people like to, to feel the sense of responsibility that rests on them. And, and our intention and our celebration about the ministry fair is that we had so many people sign up to say, here's what I'd like to be involved in, here's, here's where I'd like to help. And, and obviously there's not, you know, every, every spot in, in the to-do list doesn't, everybody can't accomplish every purpose, but there is a place for everybody to fit. So in the ministry fair, we celebrated that, that people were signing up. But, but it's important because our church is your church. Can I say that our church is your church to the guest that comes for the very first time? But I, I would like to remind a few of us that have seasoned tenors at CCC that our church is your church, too. Yeah. And that there is a place for everybody to be involved. That's kind of a point right in the middle of a two-way street because it's a responsibility that we have as leadership to ensure that people are involved. But it's also a responsibility that people have in the church body to say, here I am. Use me. I want to help. And, and sometimes connecting those dots can be difficult. And sometimes uh, trying to work things out, um, it, it, it's a challenge sometimes to try and connect all the dots for people to become involved. But, but, but here's what we also understand is that people go missing if they aren't involved. So we have got to find ways to involve people. Now, that's, that's kind of everything that happens here on campus. But could I say that if our church is your church, then... There is a place for people to be involved in your life, too. When we're playing games or when we're heading down to the market or when we're, when we're going yard sailing on Saturday morning. I don't even know if any yard sales are left this year. I, I don't know. But I, can I just say that as we begin to include people in our circle, and some people say, well, I don't know if anybody wants to. We, have, we all have insecurities and we all have ideas of insufficiencies, but here's what I know. There are some, some people that have left their entire worlds behind to be a part of this church. And it's, it, it's not too much for us to ask someone to open the circle. And some of the greatest friendships or the greatest future is right inside that opportunity that exists when we open our arms and say, you know what, come on, let's, let's do this together. That's a powerful powerful place to be. People go missing if they aren't involved. That perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry happens when people are invited to be involved. <coughs> Finally, in point number four, people go missing if they refuse to serve. As the church, as the growth of the church continues, the responsibility does as well. And um. Maybe you could think back to your childhood days. Uh, how many had those friends who loved to be around as long as you were playing? But when mom said, hey, it's time to clean up, put all the toys away. It's like, and then the mess that was made by multiple people is left in the hands of one. Well, sometimes, you know, lessons learned on the playground can, can carry through to the day that we live in today. Um, 
you know, sometimes the point isn't about the lack of involvement opportunity. It's about a refusal to be involved. But servanthood is a basic Christian requirement. And it was said of Jesus, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That we have a responsibility to servanthood and to serve. And, and it's, it's not easy sometimes to throw the servant's towel over our arm and do the difficult work that God has called us to do, but there still is a responsibility that we have. So embrace servanthood. Be willing to serve. To serve not just our church, our community. To serve the people that God puts in your path. To become a servant to the world around you. People will recognize that you love them when you're willing to help them. Galatians 5.13, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. By love, serve one another. The, the opportunities are many. I, that's not a conclusive list. That's not an exhaustive list of, of ways that people get lost in the shuffle. But that's just a few key areas where people can get lost in the midst of what God is doing. We want everyone to matter. We do. I don't know if Titus, <clears throat> or we, sorry, I do know that Titus does get found. Um, there's a book written to him. We know that Paul didn't write him off. Just if any of you are wondering, he was entrusted with many more responsibilities. While Paul was imprisoned, he was given uh, a, a wonderful to-do list. He was a critical part of, of the advance of the New Testament church. But, but we're still left to wonder what could have or what would have happened if he had been in his place in Troas. And I want to hear the call to fulfill my role. And I'm on this side of the podium tonight, but I put myself in the pew with all of you. I want to hear the call to fulfill my role. Where... Where is the call coming and where can I serve? Where, where do I need to plug in and how do I need to help? Those, those questions don't, don't need to be un, unasked or unanswered by any of us. I want to hear the quest because revival costs us something. God challenged us to make church our number one priority. That we are called to be saints. We... We earn a living somewhere, but we're called to be saints. We, we get a paycheck from our job, and we may put 40, 50, 60 hours a week in there, but we're called to be saints. That's where our calling rests. And uh, I, <clears throat> if you'll just excuse me, because this is like the first time that I've, I've had the opportunity to be together with all of you, but it was, um, I'll, I'll give you a little background. It's 7.54. Give me three minutes, okay? I'll give you a little background because some of you were concerned when you saw CCC members that uh, please pray for Kristen Lehman. She's had an unexpected change in the term of her pregnancy. And, and uh, so there was an adjustment that we had to make to our schedule. We didn't intend on leaving until this coming Monday. We were going to go to general conference because most babies come a little later than the expected due date. However, Mila decided she was going to come early. And so uh, I just gone to lunch and got a call from Kathy to say, did you get any text from Kristen? And she had that panic sound in her voice after 30 plus years together, you get to know. And I was like, immediately, um, what text? No, I didn't get any text. What's going on? She said, well, she went in for her ultrasound and they're immediately going to take her over to induce her for the baby. And I'm like, what? Are you serious? Is this one of those, haha, got you joke moments? 
because I don't have a lot of time for that today. But the schedule was adjusted, and um, we were able to get a flight uh, that evening out of Bangor. We got there about an hour early, and there was a second flight that we were able to hop on. We actually got to Louisville within 10 hours of finding out that Kristen had to go into labor. Of course, we were there in time for, <coughs> for, for us to go and visit her in the room. She was there in labor and delivery. And uh, I, I had to snap this picture, if you want to throw that first slide up. I had to snap this picture because this was on the wall. This was Wednesday, 0830. Nurse was Cheryl and Lori. Dr. Allen was the physician. Um, her diet was clear of fluids. She wasn't allowed to eat anything. Her activity level was up. Someone say amen. But then I love this. I love this. This is the whole reason for the picture. Daily goal. <laughs> how, how much simpler does it get than that? Daily goal, have a baby. Notes, mom, Kristen, dad, Matt, baby girl, I can give you her name. Myla, I think we have a picture of Myla next. You can celebrate with me. <laughs> that, that daily goal required a shift in purchasing airline tickets and Pastor Matt step into the plate here in the pulpit and Pastor Wilbur step into the plate to help teach on this past Wednesday night. And, and, and all kinds of stuff went into action. Now, we were smart enough to plan in advance. We were smart enough to say, hey, get ready. Have one in the pocket because when this baby comes, you're up to bat. You just kind of. But when we, we shifted everything, why? Because the one goal was to have it. Oh, there we go. I, I didn't call for that one yet, but. Oh. <laughs> I was listening at the baby, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But the daily goal, can I just tell you, CCC, our goal is to have babies in this church. And I'm not talking just about all the moms and young families. I'm talking about this altar becoming a place where God watches lives be transformed. And, and that we preach the gospel of new birth and how... You must be born again of the water and of the spirit and that our goal, our intention, our, our role in a growing church, our daily goal in the church is to have a baby. Whether it's Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday or Sunday, whether it's 10 a.m., 10 p.m., whether it's noon or midnight, it does not matter. Our goal, our goal is to see the church grow. And that God would extend the borders of what God has called us to be and who God has called us to reach. I pray that God would do that today. That is our goal. But it's, it's not just leadership's responsibility. It's all of, it's my role as a church member to see God grow our church. I wonder if you'd stand together with me. Thank you for your kind attention tonight. But I wonder if you would allow maybe just God to speak to you for a moment Ange, if you want to come back to music for a minute. <clears throat> but that God would call us into this responsibility that he's given us in this end time. To see our church grow. And that we become active participants. That we become voices about what God can do in lives. That we, that we are willing to pray for signs and wonders and miracles. Because that's just another way for the church to be known to the world about what God can do. 
that we'll pray that God would send angels of deliverance, that, that we would pray that God would work on our behalf, that we would pray for revival, that, that prayer would become an integral part of our lives, that, that we begin to read and inherit and live the word in our lives so we can become the church. We have a role in a growing church. We, we all have a role to play in a growing church. Would you make that prayer personal for a moment? Let's just lift our voices and let's begin to pray together. Jesus, I, I thank you for your help that comes. God, I thank you for your voice that is speaking in this room tonight. God, that you've invited us to a new plateau. God, that you've invited us to climb stairs to a higher place in you. Lord, that you've opened our eyes to, to see clearly that this takes everybody. God, I'd ask that we all would understand that we can't do this without each other. God, that our focus and our intention, let it be on new birth and let it be on Bible studies and charts and open doors of opportunity. And God, when you create that plan where you connect us with someone that, that we may never have even intended on meeting or seeing or talking to, but God, you open a door. I pray that you'd help us to walk through it. God, that we've got a role in that moment. It's not, it's not just to get back to our tasks or our assigned duties, but God, that you opened the door for a moment so we could fulfill our responsibility and that, God, we would accomplish the role that you've given to us in this end time kingdom call of harvest you've placed on our church. We give you great praise and we give you glory. Would someone just thank God that there is a promise?